we went from 325 employees to over 500 employees during COVID. That had been fun. We also, yeah, we also grew in revenue from about 350 million to almost 700 million. So everyone out there listening, we're, we're doing this off the cuff podcast today. This is my, my first time ever speaking with John. So John, thank you for taking time to speak with me here. I have way too many computer screens, screens up at the moment, but just, why don't you just take a second, just introduce yourself and tell me what you do for a living. Uh, sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, uh, Phil as well. Yeah. Uh, my name is John Gillespie. I'm the director of IT here at Megacorp Logistics down in Wilmington, North Carolina. So I kind of run the IT department for our uh, third-party logistics firm. Which is cool. Uh, I, I like, do you golf? I do. You it's have to golf rare. if you live in North Carolina. I've, I I have a feeling that you pretty much have to golf. Our headquarters is down there. At least one of my uh, my partner company's headquarters is down there. Converge Network Services Group, which we've merged with AppSmart recently. But uh, regardless, every time I go down there, it's always putting competitions and uh, golf tournaments. And I'm like, it is sticky down here. But <laughs> um, I like to surf, too. And I heard there's some good surfing somewhere around there. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, we have a couple breaks over at uh, Wrightsville Beach here in town. Mm, sound um, like you know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I, I surf as well. Yeah, I, I recently moved back here from Hawaii. Oh. Is, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, so what do you? All right, so forget it. What's um? <laughs> how many? Well, what what's your what's your favorite board? What do you surf right now? How old are you? How much do you uh, weigh? What's your height? We, we, sure. We need to get all yeah, this um, stuff out out in the open, you know? Right. No, it, it is helpful, especially now with all the volume calculators that are out there. So, yeah, I'm 37. I'm 6'2 and about 202 pounds. Oh, wow. Um, you must be a longboarder. So I, I do have, um, with my little four-year-old son, we've got like an eight-foot Wavestorm foamy longboard that's super fun to play with on summer waves around here. Uh-huh. Um, but I actually have a Pizalian for like a little grobbler. Beautiful. Um, and then I and then I ride the Slater Design Cymatic as a as a five ten. It's a super fun board. Wow, you're good. Those, so. You're good. Yeah. You're getting out. You're two hundred. You're six two over two hundred pounds getting up on a five six. Anyone out there that surfs, <laughs> five, I mean, ten, or five ten. Sorry. <laughs> Any you know, my son f- surfs these little wafers too and i'm like no i can't do that i gotta maybe is it too late for me in life you know i'm i can get down i can get up on this like i think it's a i think it's a six eight but to me that's about like as short as i can get and i only really started surfing like two or three years ago um if you if you like that size the like um channel islands they're mid-length they uh-huh. make really fun like six eight six ten mm. um and that single fender with trailers that kind of gets you between the short board or the long board but still has like the rails on them just allow for a really great flow if you find any waves or some push I mean, otherwise like you know kind of like a go-to beginner intermediate like without being too advanced is that a Hayden shapes, the hypto crypto. I don't know if you've ever written that. Yep. Nope. Son has one. He just actually, he just yeah. sold that. He just sold that for his Pizel. For the Pizel. Yeah. yeah. Well, John, John Florence made the Pizel super popular, mm. um, but Pizel does a pretty good job. Um, kind of getting the foam right there in, on your chest for paddling. Mm. And then once you're up, 
um, the rails pinch toward the tails. It actually allows you to mm. get some maneuvers in and stuff. So yeah, I, my, I actually have the Pyzalian that I have is in Firewire. Um, so I use it when I kiteboard or whenever we do like just some fun play around towing sessions like behind the boat. So, yeah, so never thought this would happen. This is totally unplanned. This is so awesome. And without completely isolating all nerds and other IT people that might drive Harleys or do other gaming, or some other kind of thing. It's important. It's important for numerous reasons because it shows that IT people are real people have lives and they do things outside of work for fun to, I don't know, blow off steam or anything like that. What else do you do other than don't tell me you do jujitsu also? Cause that would just be like, that would really make my day. I wish, but I am not uh, Jack Freestone and I, <laughs> I, I'm not as flexible as he is um, to get into uh, jujitsu. Um, Mine's a, no. Yeah, I gotcha. So, yeah, but I, no, uh, but talk to me about importance of, uh, let's just talk work life balance here for a second. How often, yeah. well, are you a little, de did you ever grow out of surfing or get sick of surfing when you've done it so much? Have you had your ups and downs in the surfing world? And now that you're in North Carolina, do you miss Hawaii? And is it kind of depressing to not, maybe not have as much surfing or a regular break all the time? Man, you're going to compete with Oprah on these feelings. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> all of those things are real actual stuff, right? So um, surfing was a major priority before I got married and like had kids, mm -hmm. um, especially being here in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, you know, unfortunately you, you maybe only get 30 good surf days a year. Um, <laughs> so you kind of have to like when the stars align, right. When it's like nor'easter or hurricane season, mm -hmm. you, you use yep. your PTO to get off work and go in Hawaii. It was much easier because Hawaii gets by like 300 good surfing days a year. But unfortunately um, Hawaii has like a million people on Oahu. Um, so I found myself having to be strategic there as well to pick like the abstract, like bank holidays, like Columbus mm -hmm. day was oh, like wow. my favorite day to go up on North shore uh -huh. and, you know, be able to surf like Belzee land with like, how many people, people would out. be out on there on an off day? Still a hundred day. No, no. You just, you, when you live there, you just learn where to go. Um, mm -hmm. and then, and then you play like the negative social media game. So this is for everybody in your podcast to learn yes. the lies of, uh, of, of it. Yes. Like if you live in the Hawaiian islands or if you love mm -hmm. being around them, you mm -hmm. actually choose to not tag where you are mm -hmm. or tag, tag the wrong place instead. Yeah. So tag know, where you're not people. Exactly. Right. So that way they think that that's the spot to go to. So hundreds of people go there where the other breaks are still hidden. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not bad. I mean, Hawaii just gets crowded in the wintertime. Um, you know, North Shore, that seven mile miracle, like this is filled with anyone and everybody that wants to be somebody. Mm -hmm. um, so from Sunset Beach down to mm -hmm. Haleiwa, like all those spots will fill. But before, before Thanksgiving, it's actually not that bad to be up there and like Mm. like October, late October, you still get some good early swells. And then now, so it's why they even moved the WSL, you know, the, their championship tour competition events, like pipe got moved at the beginning of the year into January, February. Mm. Um, because this time of year, this February into March, all the sand's been pulled off the reef just due to winter storm beatings coming out of the, mm -hmm. out of Alaska. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can find more breaks that get exposed. And then if you can find weekdays, like if you can get out on President's Day mm -hmm. or like Martin Luther King Day, when everybody else is mm -hmm. like still got real jobs and stuff, mm -hmm. you, uh, you, you can find some hidden gems. It's um, This is a perfect example of 
how surfers are for anyone that doesn't understand this kind of lifestyle, how in depth, how in depth we can get and how in depth people are even way beyond me. And, um, yes, I don't know what else to say about that. If you had to describe <laughs> surfing lifestyle in compare, well, we won't go there because we, we, we could talk. I know that I could talk about this for a very long time. Oh, one other thing. Yeah. Best surfing destination or holiday that you've ever taken or vacation you've ever taken outside of Hawaii. This is so not an IT show. <laughs> no. Like, oh, but it is IT. What we're saying is, is like, if you haven't surfed before, you know, it's never too late. Uh, I really liked um, a break near Pavones in Costa Rica. Hmm. Um, K59 in El Salvador was really fun. It's not the main break. It's like a resort bay a little bit north. And then being right here in North Carolina, like a pretty affordable hopper flight. Um, with a lot of available breaks is getting over to like Rincon mm. outside of like Aguadilla in um, Puerto Rico mm -hmm. um, between Maria's and domes and stuff there. There, It's nice, you know, being just, you know, U.S. territory and just being close by. It's a very... You say that like you might have been locked up in jail before trying to surf or go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just um, I've affordability, had a, right? So. Yeah, 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 I got you. Oh, you can't take... Yeah. Um, what does this have to say with uh, IT work-life balance? And well, so you got married, children, not as much surfing anymore, um, IT job. What do you have to say about work-life balance in IT? Uh, definitely, it's it. And to give a picture, and to paint a picture first, to be fair, how many end users do you manage? Uh, Twenty-two in total, I think, between the nine from our dev side, and the other thirteen between help desk and then um, network, voice, and this cloud infrastructure services. So your total so, employees is less than thirty. Um, yeah, yeah, we we are about five hundred fifty-five employees as a company. Um, Wait, how many? Five hundred? Five hundred plus? Five hundred plus? Yep. Okay, so plus. so five hundred plus end users, and your team is how big? Thirty. A little 22? less than 30. Yeah, 22. So that's really good. So yeah, it is. You're sitting, in, it sounds like maybe you, you're at a company that appreciates technology. We are incredibly technology focused. 24-7 um, of our operations either touches email, phones, or some parts of our transport management system mm -hmm. that we have built um, in-house uh, up in our Azure cloud space. So we, we, we luckily have... Um, a lot of investment from our owner through the rest of the executive level down uh, to realize that the, the biggest disruptor we can do during this, you know, supply chain chaos that's either <laughs> here in the United States or globally yeah. is, a, um, is a big investment in digital space to find the right efficiencies, but also increase um, productivity and accountability in managing our customers and carriers, not just data information, but, but the loads to you know, the pickups and the drop spots and everything. So um, it's nice. There's, there's a lot of disruption going on in this space right now. And we're trying to be part of that. So mm -hmm. how long have you been, how long have you been at the current company? It'll be two years uh, here in March. So um, you can actually work with this. Go ahead. Okay. Oh, I used to work at this company actually back in 2012, 2014 as well. Okay. Before my wife and I got married and we decided to sell everything and get on the suitcases and move to Hawaii, just one-way ticket style. So. That sounds amazing. Yeah. 
do it while you're young before you have kids in a house. So it's a little less risky. Um, okay. So two years you came in right at COVID. Did you come in because of COVID or did you just come in and COVID no. happened? Um, so I, I maintained, um, my friendships with, uh, a lot of coworkers from here. Mm-hmm. Even when I, um, left and moved to Hawaii. Um, in fact, at the company owner at that time, he threw us like uh, quite a few of us were getting married around the same time. So we had a big engagement party. Um, and then it also kind of lined, lined up. We had a little just company soiree before moving. So everybody's really happy with us, you know, kind of, you know, taking the leap of faith to, you know, go to Hawaii and just try things out. You know, mm. just Sweet. The beginning of our marriage. Yeah. So kind so, of a key, but kind of a key point there was, maintaining relationships i'm trying to th- i'm trying to i'm trying to pull like important things out that have helped people that have helped people along you know i maintained relationships and friendships thus mm-hmm. there was job openings in the future some people don't do that well because with work you know work in this it space is like an incredible collective bargaining journey right oh i like that um we, we all have to be comfortable in realizing that any tool that we implement today or any change we make today, mm-hmm. we're most likely going to life cycle that out in like three to five years. Right. So, you know, there I would is say at no... least three now. Do you think it's shortened? <laughs> Do you think that gap is shortened? It used to be five. I think it's more like three now. And some you people know, are pushing two. With the adoption of so many like cloud-based applications, it gets a little easier to get plug and play to actually get that shorter runway down. Uh-huh. There's still some kind of core commodity infrastructure items uh-huh. that like you try to depreciate and hold on to for a little bit longer you know, from, you know, like actual physical hardware stuff, whether it's like, you know, switches in the racks in your buildings, yep. um, you know, you know, choice of like ISP in those physical locations and even getting down to hardware, you like actually people use to do their job in point wise. But, you know, the stuff that's less physical, less touch, less capitalized asset, mm-hmm. i.e. like software licensing mm-hmm. or cloud-based like applications, um, as long as you can maintain that master data record and actually kind of own your data piece and own your identity piece, mm-hmm. it does get a little easier that that three-year runway is probably true, you know, because yes. you, you, the only reason that, that the industry has made those choices is for that flexibility, right? To almost, you know, make us millennials and the people behind Gen Zers be comfortable with radical change, like often. But it's hurting <laughs> less because you're... That was quite judgmental. <laughs> was quite, what do of I, myself. You know, so. <laughs> so, well, first of all, so many things came to mind. Just, why, just so you know, we everyone out there listening and I'm only telling you this now because there had to have been an ex- you know there was an excuse as to why I missed the last call and I do have to be honest with you I was driving to the beach to go surfing <laughs> <laughs> remember how you said like you know around here there's only so many days a year right and we had just had the snowstorm yeah. and there are six foot waves rolling in on this like yeah. R- Ogunquit Maine river mouth and I'm in Ma- you know I'm surfing in Maine so we're I, it's kind of cold. I mean, I don't. If you ever surfed in California, that's probably colder. But I would say it's thirty-five degrees, and I don't know how often you surf in a six-mil wetsuit, but it's a little restrictive. Yeah, I used to give it up, or I, I, I've given that lifestyle. But I had a five-four built-in hoodie. Oh yeah. The name of the suit, but it was built out of um, like Half Moon Bay and like that. At California, so it was the yeah. same style suit, the same yeah. people that would ride it out there at Mavericks. Huh. But I always felt like I was just surfing with like Yoda on my back because it's like <laughs> you can, 
like paddling, it just wears you down. Like your stretches in there, so the pop up is slower. So I just imagine being like uh, Luke and Empire with Yoda trying to jump around. Boots um, and boots and gloves and right. Yeah, and boots never last. That's another thing people don't realize. Like for some reason, boots you take them on and off, and like they only last like ten times for they split. Yeah, gear is like a just, yearly thing, but you know, yeah. it's cheaper than skiing. That is true. Which I actually just got back snowboarding skiing with my kids uh, in Wintergreen, Virginia, for Valentine's Day. Nice. I would but do I would do skiing with my kids, but I have eight kids, so I did the calculation on that, and I was like, "Nah, surfboards are cheaper, and winter wetsuits are, believe it or not, cheaper." Yeah. So it's well, free. That's cool. We have so many children. My wife is one of seven, so she comes from a very big family too. Nice. Cool What's it like when you guys all get together? Do they all like each other still? Um, they all have different personalities. Um, they all love each other. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there's definitely the, the light comes and goes. I feel like most family gatherings become fire hazards in the house because now that we're all getting older and we have kids, like it's compounded to be like in the 30s. Well, you so. already heard the fire alarm going off in my house. <laughs> oh, wait, no, that was the previous call. No, that was my previous call right before this. The fire. I've had the fire alarm go off on at least three or four podcasts it's um yeah it's usually like a it's a grilled cheese that got burnt and i moved in covid i moved to all kinds of houses during covid it was kind of crazy so now I'm, my podcast studio is really like the third bedroom is like a bedroom that was off the kitchen that was like an in-law type room or something like that so really only i don't know 15 feet away is a bunch of kids screaming right now i know you can, i know someone's gonna hear them in the background at some point so um that that is the work-life balance though right so i mean when, well for me yes got, yeah go ahead are you working from home do you, all, do you work from home we, we do we offer a flexible work environment so today i'm in the office um but yeah i, I work from home or, or in the office and just so does most of my team. The only people from my team that are kind of required in the office is like the help desk, uh, mm -hmm. service desk staff, mm -hmm. um, just to be able to do setups and moves. Um, but the work-life balance through surfing as an amateur meteorologist, choices to then having kids. But mm -hmm. then we chose to move back from Hawaii, North Carolina, because we had kids in Hawaii, but it's very far away from our family from North Carolina. Yep. Um, we wanted them to know their cousins. Yep. So then being back here, instead of us continuing to work remote with the companies we were with in Hawaii or that were just more, you know, global operations and, and they're flexible, it just the investment in the community became important. Yes. Um, you know, I, w I was running into so many people in the town here we moved back to mm -hmm. out at dinner yeah. or at the beach or out on the boat. And then I would hear some of their IT challenges that they were with, especially here where I'm back at at Megacorp. And oh, I like it. it just made it easy to engage back um, with our CFO with him a few times over several months to talk about what it would be to change the IT department to come into a role. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, I, I accepted the job offer to come back here in like early, mid-February of 2020. And then, yeah, then, then COVID went bananas. So, and this is awesome for numerous reasons because I'm a, I'm a, my assumption here is you avoided all... This has nothing to do with recruiting or finding a job, it has more to do with digging and asking questions, what are current IT challenges, and then inserting yourself into the solution as a great hire. That's right. Yeah, there was, since it was more of a personal relationship yes. to previous employment, 
um, the conversations became more around just listening to the problems they had at hand. But it doesn't, um, and then asking more. Mm-hmm. I guess my point is, is it doesn't need to be. It doesn't necessarily need to be personal. It is personal, but the. I guess my point is, is what what I want to ask you is a. What were the challenges that people were experiencing at that time, and what kind of questions could other IT professionals or other people that may want to make a career change or make a career jump or grow, what should they be doing? Should they be going to a recruiter and providing their resume or should they be going to companies that they cherry picking companies that they actually really would want to work at where they would want to work at and asking specific pointed questions that would help them provide solutions and actually grow a company? Yeah, I think that there's an opportunity both ways. And I don't mean that just to like not pick one, um, because if you know specific companies and you have the ability to network and you have relationships with either employees there or through friends or family, neighbors of employees there, the conversation becomes much more organic to, you know, where, where they can be just forthcoming with those specific questions or challenges. And then when you start talking through it, like, they immediately trust your feedback on it because they know you're not just trying to sell them something or you're not just trying to answer the question during like a new hire, um, first time ever meeting you interview process. But with recruiters, there's a lot of value. Um, Recruiters that are very seasoned in their roles, they know how to connect the dots more from like an emotional intelligence and empathy standpoint with their pre-screening questions Mm -hmm. to then figure out that next culture fit that you might not actually been given an opportunity to screen Mm. into. So um, I, I kind of like, um, and this will be, my wife is a recruiter for PPD uh, Thermo Fisher um, mm-hmm. piece. And, and I, she's much better at understanding people than I am. I tell her I take care of robots and she takes care of people because, you know, <laughs> IT, like essentially, like if we're supporting servers and cloud platforms, they don't have feelings. It's just the people around them have the feelings. <laughs> but for her, in her recruiting role, um, she, she has to connect a lot of dots that you might not see in a resume uh-huh. or you might not see in future hiring manager conversations uh-huh. um, that to me is invaluable, right? I mean, it's kind of why those roles are there and why some some specific questions have been made. Uh, you know, there's, I think, work rules. There's some people from like Google, they wrote that book. Um, and it, it's big and has a lot of different sections, but there, uh-huh. there are some benefits um, out of that book, uh, talking about better hiring, better recruiting, better interviewing practices. Work um, rules. Work rules. Yep. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Have you read that one? No, but yeah. I worked for a large corporate conglomerate back in the day called Starbucks, and <laughs> had to do a lot of recruiting and management training, and we were big into kind of like uh, behavioral interviewing, so. Really mm-hmm. getting people to paint a picture, really like describe a situation, bring in names and stuff so that we knew that what they were telling us was not just snowing us with an answer, you know, that you would get specific examples of how they performed under specific situations and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there was, I can't remember who it was, if it was Microsoft or Google or, for, or from that book, but, but remember re- there was, yeah. There, there. A, a recruiters are, A, first of all, highly valuable from at least high level recruiters as well. If they're hiring for C level or high level management directors and above, because a, they can bring you people from your competition. Not that it's always about cutthroat competition, but they do do that. Um, and do it very, very well. Sometimes take 
a, a top performer from one company and place him in another company. And if we're going to talk Google and Facebook and Netflix and all that stuff, then we know that happens. Um, but, but yes. I, and, but what I'm thinking of is, is, let's say someone's not making any, well, first of all, is the IT field from what I understand right now, there's a lot of job openings. Like, there is. Okay. So that is an- how does it feel to be wanted? <laughs> It's great. Um, I mean, it's, you know, from uh, if anybody is trying to get a job out there right now, I mean, you can ask for significant salary raises um, and be taken seriously at Mm. um, most of these companies. I mean, it's no better time right now in the recruiters market versus the company market to kind of come in the door with your asks. Um, Mm. Some of the hard part, too, is is making sure that people um, are telling the truth you know, on the resume and they have um, a measure of success behind them that, you know, uh, will be valuable to, you know, what they're taking over within your organization. Mm. Um, you know, and that, I think that kind of comes just through reference checks and, you know, more than one interview session. And then, you know, this kind of validating, you know, have, have they worked with these tool sets or run these projects and done these things? So I want to know yeah. what you've done in two years in the logistics field, considering it's an absolute insane, <laughs> um, insane field right now. And you mentioned a lot of cloud stuff. I don't know. I think you said something about Amazon or Azure or something, but uh, whatever that cloud stuff is out there, is there what what kind of what kind of changes have you guys had to make? Do you know what the impact was? Numbers, that type of thing. We do. We are. Um, we are crazy. This is going to be the only time during this that I brag on the company, not from an ego standpoint, but just by the impact of digital transformation. Sweet. Do it. Um, so, so, you know, for the last like 10, 20 years, right? Any Gartner conference you go to anywhere out there, there's always this push for digital transformation, digital transformation, what it's going to be, blah, blah, blah. Like, yep. There's no better catalyst than COVID and then no second better catalyst <laughs> than this like supply chain transformation or yeah. transportation industry yeah. than the desire to like grab market share when the whole world was like struggling and shipping. So here in Megacorp, I mean, you know, we, we went from 325 employees to over 500 employees during COVID. That had been fun. We also, yeah. We also grew in revenue from about, 350 million to almost 700 million during mm-hmm. COVID. So almost doubled in revenue. 15% um, head, at least, I don't know if LinkedIn has this number right, but it says 15% head head count. We, we, we want to get to fix this term. Everyone's using head count. Human capital. <laughs> Let's say human capital. Total total W2 growth, uh, 15% in 2.6 years. That's right. It's nice. So it's been... It's been pretty crazy, but we even this year, I think we've already hired another 50 people just in the first two months of this year. So we're over 550 people. So, um, you know, and that's not due to some crazy drastic force that like, except that the world, especially in the United States, where we're, we're kind of in the North American territory coming from Canada, US, Mexico. Mm. Um, but the desire for just shipping time increases, the access to trucks, the access to mm-hmm. for customers to be able to have the specific picks and drops and locations, mm-hmm. um, just market share by volume has, it, has, it, has expanded. And you can see that with the more, the people that are public, and so they have to do like SEC filing, so like CH Robinson, 
And then the bigger companies in our space, like TQL, Total Quality Logistics out of the Cincinnati area, you mm. see them, their numbers. So you know, we're just trying to keep up with that market. Um, but through it, if we're going through this growth where we're you know almost doubling in revenue and then adding on, at this point, more than 200 employees um, since the beginning of COVID through it, uh, we, we couldn't rely on traditional um, IT software and hardware infrastructure. So we looked at it through the whole IT portfolio and stack, and we 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 changed probably 75% of our systems to try to find efficiency. Mm. Meaning we, wow, yeah. So we we life cycled out all desktops for laptops so people could work from home, but then come back into the office. Um, anybody that wasn't direct in sales, we tried to find if we can move into soft phone versus hard phone. Um, our main transfer management system application last August, we migrated completely up to Azure away from on-prem, you know, traditional mm-hmm. servers, you know, SQL backend storage and RNF SANS. We moved that up to the Azure space to allow very quick point and click flexibility. We did a huge investment in information security. We brought in a lot more defense in depth to try to like mm. um, cover all of our Lockheed kill chain stack also so we could start adhering to the government's mm-hmm. um, CMMC certification mm-hmm. standards. Um, yeah, we swing all of our active directory up to the Azure. We, you know, moved away from file shares to SharePoint OneDrive in order to get people flexible. So no data was local here on prem. Are you hiring? System. <laughs> are you hiring for your team? Are you hiring for information technology? For we IT? are. Yeah. Okay. Cause you did something four. right. Cause I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the, the total pie graph dispersion, right? Mm-hmm. And I always love when I see that a, well, first of all, 44% of your total headcount, again, human capital is 44% sales. And, but what I love is that the ma- majority of your growth is in operations. 88% in one year of your growth was in operations department, meaning you're hiring people to support customers and making sure things go smoothly i guess just from a very simplistic standpoint i don't know if that sounds accurate to you and uh you did such a good job at digital transformation the information technology department's the only one that's down (laughs) you're the only one's down in (laughs) headcount because you i guess you guys just did a really good job making robots well we have a lot of um managed services partners okay so you know we made sure that when we brought on like a whole bunch of new ISP vendors and then network managed vendors. You know, we partnered with, you know, those outside providers to augment our help desk staff. And we okay. did the same within development. So, you know, we can hire very key roles that provide a lot of business value, i.e., like IT tra- um, translation to mm-hmm. like business outcome results. Yep. And 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 because we are not a technology company, but we're a company that uses technology and we have a heavy technology adoption mm-hmm. and we want to lead with our technology forward. Um, it's adamant that we understand business processes and we do better process mapping um, to, to make the tools effective, but then also to make sure that customer carrier contacts have that correct. They're getting good data out of our tools, but then yep. our end users are able to use the tools to do the work as a human. But again, the tools of the robot support an industry that runs 24 seven. So um, yeah, we, our investments were in cloud-based platforms 
um, you know, in data migrations, in our ERP system migration for larger financial systems, mm-hmm. um, but then also heavily invested within the business partner organizations for managed service partnerships with us, whether it's, yeah. You, you sound fairly empathetic, you know, for someone that, that shot himself down and said he works with machines, you sound fairly empathetic and, and pretty human centric. That's a compliment. I, yeah. I'm, I, I appreciate that. Um, and I'm just hoping that we didn't lose anyone with all that surfing talk at the beginning because because <laughs> <laughs> the last five minutes have been outstanding. So I hope nobody uh, decided to move away from an IT podcast on uh, you know, surfing that, as well. Hopefully they understood, um, you know, how value... Because you just pretty much sold the digital transformation argument like across the board without any fear of because a lot of times back in the day it was like why are we moving to the cloud that's replacing our jobs and that type of thing and it is gonna i've heard people say before you know the it the old it manager the old it guy is 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 not going to be needed anymore and he's going to get completely replaced with managed service providers and uh, from listening to you i would i would completely disagree because there has to be a strategy and a vision for the IT department. Maybe some areas of IT will get become obsolete or not needed for a, maybe you won't need a, an employee, so to speak, or a headcount um, for a certain aspect of IT. But what's your thoughts on that? Um, internally, I have tried to create you know, different slides for communications executives for the last couple of years about commoditized IT versus business value driven IT. Um, and not in a way, mm. like I'm not a big fan of outsourcing for outsourcing's sake. Um, I, I also don't think that everything in IT can like lose the human like element because the only reason that we moved from pen- paper and pencil to do the work and started making things in the computer um, was for data accuracy, was for efficiencies and realizing that this is also going to have a cost with it, mm-hmm. but it's going to allow us to scale. It's going to allow us to have historicals. We can get a lot of mm-hmm. analytics. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my, the last three companies I've been with in previous discussions with like leadership, excuse me, outside of the IT space, it really just comes down to that who, why, what, when, where, um, for any approval conversations or any next steps, um, on funding, choice of projects, digital transformation conversation within IT, right? So um, the short answer is people, processes, and things. So the who is what do you need? Who are these people you need in the organization from a, a human capital standpoint, from a people standpoint to do the job effective for that specific business? And there is no single one fits all that you can just have a, a blank physio chart in that organization can directly swing from, you know, healthcare to to banking, to government, to transportation, um, you have to understand that business and where the alignment needs to come to make sure you're staffing key roles correctly in order to support, to your point before, operations for that efficiency gain output, which is the maintaining of the relationships with those customers as you get them through sales, but then also maintaining sales so that they can they, they feel empowered and confident to then go find that next ex customer. And when they shake hands and they get signatures, they get contracts, we can deliver. Um, and then there's also just the trust in the industry, you know, from our brand and marketing standpoint, um, if we re- were to release information, you know, if we go public and there's financials or, you know, just interactions of bigger companies for, you know, how many employees we have versus that consistency and outcomes so that it can be supported. Um, the reliance on IT systems 
is a requirement, right? So, you know, they there's a certain level of professionalism that I think the world requires these days whenever they put their trust and faith into a company that has a lot of IT systems behind it. And the best things we can do in the stewards of our positions at this time, you know, in some leadership within IT is to connect those dots and protect the company, protect the people, protect those families, you know, by, you know, investing in security solutions, investing in high availability solutions, whether that's cloud or on-prem, investing in that stability, looking for things that are like truly scalable. You know, they're not, you know, just one-off things you pick up from a Best Buy shelf. You know, you, you spend the time to do the necessary RFP work to find those solutions. And then behind it, you know, you can't put all your eggs in one basket of a managed service partner and outsourced. You still want somebody to understand that platform, understand that vendor, understand that vision with the strategy internally um, to help with that translation with that partner, with those pro services teams um, to make it scalable. Because, you know, there's a lot of big players in the IT space now, right? I mean, you know, Amazon took over in that cloud computing. Microsoft has its space. Google has its space. You know, Dell acquired EMC. Um, the, there's a lot of variety and there's a lot of options out there. What's hard is unless you have the expertise and the right people on your team, it's noisy and, and it takes a lot to figure out the right tool, the right options, the right process change within that tool set without having the right people behind it. So, and I, you know. The, how, I guess, how do you, when you say the right people, what do you mean specifically? In other words, when you, when you go to evaluate and, and it could be, however you want to break this down, it could be a, what were the challenges when you came in and did you know if you had the right people or not? And how do the right people make it less noisy because they have experience or they know they have a pulse on the marketplace. They know the marketplace. They know the, everything that you just mentioned. What is it? The Megacorp actually, before I came on, partnered with a consulting company and um, they started um, an internal org change even before I started. Um, once I came on, we took time to meet with the business uh, to figure out what were the biggest IT challenges they had in the previous kind of administration, for lack of better words, mm -hmm. uh, for us to then decide um, how much we wanted to be inflexible between headcount, either adding new positions back mm -hmm. or making sure contracts were correct with these managed service partners mm -hmm. or development shops. Now the people aspect of it, you know, first question was the consulting company in your opinion, accurate or a little bit off needed to be changed or no, it was like, like no way we're doing this. <laughs> I, uh, I like most people in it, um, and very okay being only right 50% of the time. If we're honest <laughs> with ourselves, every project that we attempt, we have a 50-50 shot. This is going to work out well. In the end, you know? and it's well, just, for you guys, it seems to be working out like at least 90, you're batting like 99. You're, you're, like, a, you're like a telecom SLA. You're like 99. <laughs> I wish that was true. Um, <laughs> instead, it's more, it's just getting comfortable with failing fast and failing forward. Mm -hmm. um, so you just you try to limit risk and then provide always an ABC option so that, you know, yep. there's there's no big failures that provide big, big, big F like outcomes where there's negativity behind it um, for it. Right. So, you know, it's just it's break, it fast. Of, break, it, break fast. it fast. 
Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. But so, um, but still though, that was a nice political way of getting around that consulting question. So <laughs> you were like, Hey, 50, 50, they could be right. Like, let's flip a coin and like, see if like they did, they made the right decisions or like, Hey, we'll run with this for a little bit and slowly make changes. Or, you know, was there some political gaming around this? I'm just trying to get an idea because a lot of people deal with, they still deal with it as a cost center. They still deal with trying to convince upper management that, you know, there's, they might not even know how to have those conversations or how to deal with those challenges, right? They might have shadow IT coming in and destroying their lives. Uh, so that's kind of why I'm asking is like how, how you dealt with this particular situation coming in and having taken over from an old regime. And there's kind of this quasi consulting solution bandaid to the old regime. Um, I'm just curious how you kind of said, kind of came in and took inventory and you know mm-hmm. you, you know what i mean and, and kind of you, you took on this new role or, or you probably had an idea before you got on because you were having those conversations on the beach with whoever but yeah so i politically if you step into these kind of director manager roles even if it's mid-sized companies or if it's a mid-management the best thing you can do at first is to just listen um even if you have a gut feeling that like you need to pivot or something that's a change um you haven't earned that yet so it's it's too early to play certain chips right so mm-hmm. you have to like it. just listen and let it listen and let it ride so mm-hmm. um so yeah when i came in you know i spent time with that consulting company I even spent time with a lot of the previous people that were like around here just to kind of understand maybe some of the tribal knowledge of what led to specific decisions mm-hmm. um behind it um even if the outcomes weren't you know weren't good at that time, you know, it still might've been the right play with the limited information back in the day. Yep. Um, so unfortunately to slow roll it, but behind the scenes was massive data gathering, right? So you never want to bring data to a knife fight, but if you're going to step into any type of leadership role, you better <laughs> be able to count your beans, right? So in <laughs> IT world, so we, we all uh. have to, <laughs> Um, we, we all have to play within certain rules. And so unfortunately, you know, we have, um, you know, if you're going to prioritize and execute and be accountable, um, within the IT space, you got to understand your budget, either what that real spend was and where it's going and always maintain that. You got to make sure you have a understanding the IT portfolio and its alignment to the job descriptions, of current people in roles. Um, and then you also have to be able to understand the specific diagrams and processes that are around like your business continuity functions, meaning your priority systems that if there was an outage or if there was a problem, what are the rules of the road to get it back up? What was the cause to it? And then how to maintain it? Because if you can balance out, you know, your cost and then you can balance out the core business foundational IT pieces, you get more time and flexibility then to understand the coach up to coach out or manage up to manage out around the people to the roles. And then you, you're no longer focused on, do I have, do I have to make Joe, Joe Smith or John Smith fit in this role? Or is this role what's required for the business? So now who is the right person, whether it's internal or external and how do I fit that? But then if the person internally can provide value in other areas, that just becomes the dog and pony show to explain that to the executives of why we're so differently as an IT organization. You know, the, the IT has had some challenges across all industries because, uh, to your point earlier, things only last three years. Um, 
And when tools only last three years or apps only last three years, you also have this challenge of adopting specific processes for longer. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously you can make configuration changes and make tools aligned to the processes. But if you really want to drink the Kool-Aid, like within a Lean Six Sigma world or around agile, you've got to get comfortable with, you know, small failures and the ability to change fast and to your point to break it and fix it fast. Um, but make the pain to the business, not, they don't feel it, right? It's more behind the scenes. It's in your sandbox environments, in your QA environments. Mm. You know, it's it's in your small fusion teams and your test dev cycles. Mm. Um, so it sounds like you're drinking the Kool-Aid and making your own flavor too. It does. It I mean, does, this is, no, no, this is great. The, you mentioned, well, so cost, core, time, and flexibility. Sounds like a, like an acronym we could make up. CCT something, <laughs> CTTF. The don't bring data to a knife fight. Don't bring, don't ding, don't bring data to a guy that dropped in on you in the waves. And now you're that's fighting right. in the waves either. So that's not going to work. You know, that's true. I mean, 12% 12, 12 like, of the time that people drop in on you, you get away with it. <laughs> it's like, no. Um, Especially when you travel, if you go to like somebody else's break and you don't know the pecking order there. It is weird like that. That's the is. one thing that I don't like about surfing. I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of weird cultural things. It's a lot of weird. Yeah. When you're new, when you're new to surfing, it's just about having fun, which is how it should be, I think. But then when you get like real hardcore and you get different groups and you find out, oh, there's this group here and there's this little gang here. And then like these guys kind of own this area of the beach and don't show up without like, you know, anyways, that's. It is. Yeah. So I've, I've had to be more diverse and like flexible in like sporting stuff. So, you know, I'll choose to surf when only when it's warm like i used to have the 100 degree rule so the mm. water and the air had to both add up to 100 oh. now i have it as like a, a 120 degree so both have to add to 120 so you know just live in the three two wetsuit nothing thicker it's kind of nice so yeah. 60 plus 70 that's 130 oh, that's, <laughs> just trying to think that wouldn't work in maine maine gets hot it was 72 we had 72 degree water last year so wow. you could have 70 plus 90 pretty easily um RFP work you mentioned. What's your <laughs> philosophy on your RFP work? Are RFPs a way to prevent vendors, get the right vendors? Can they be flexible? Is that just a fancy term for, hey, we're trying to outline what we want and need? Is it a way to say, hey, put the people and the end users first, not the technology? Is it a, you know, what's your philosophy on RFP work? Mine is the three little bears. Ooh. So one it's too crazy. hot, one it's too wild, cold. man. Okay, three <laughs> little bears. Yeah, is this a real thing? Um, is this a real thing, or did you make this up? I, I don't. I think it's a real thing. Um, I just call it three little bears because I have little kids and I choose children metaphors these days. Three um, little bears to RFP. This is a great. I hope my. My just my a little note for my back office team that's going to be listening to this podcast, hopefully not at two x speed and be you know translating this and pulling out show notes. There is so much in this. Please get it right. The three little bears of RF of the RFP process, whatever we want to call yes. it. I don't even know where you're going with this, but it sounds great. Um, I hope it I hope it works out for you. Um, so <laughs> why I call I call the three little bears is you know over the years for proposing projects to get executive funding at various organizations, I found that if you go into the room knowing that you want them to make a decision, 
you have to take the approach that Costco does versus like Walmart or Amazon and you limit the decisions down, right? Mm. So it's much easier to walk into Costco and say, I want to get a new washer dryer today. And they only have a couple to choose from, right? Or if you go down the aisles <laughs> and you see they only have a couple to choose from yes. for like yes. those things. But then you, you're comfortable making that choice because you know Costco has already decided that these are the best quality for you to pick from, right? So mm -hmm. I'm kind of mixing analogies. So yeah. what I like to do in my RFPs is everything is always to solve a business problem. So you start with that kind of first problem statement. What is the issue today that we're trying to solve? And you meet with all the sales directors, the operational directors, managers, and you figure out their core piece first. What is the business trying to solve? You then translate that to an internal quantified matrix from an IT standpoint. What are the top nine or 10 things that you need to go heat map with these new IT vendors? Which one's green, yellow, red, if you're going to have, you know, multiple greens, multiple yellows, multiple reds. And then you create a scoring around it. So green being a three, yellow being a two, red being a one in that matrix. And you compare your top like five or six options. Once you get down to those final three, you take those three to the executives, not just one, right? And yeah. you say, okay, this is what we did. We looked at all of them. Here were all the questions we asked the business. Here was how we scored it based on the business and the reviews. And mm. here's our top three options. Mm -hmm. And the reason I call it like one too hot, one too cold, or one just right, is because you never know the business's appetite. Will they make the decision because it's too expensive? And when they look at the value of it and its impact in the operations of sales, you know, maybe not getting the one that's the most expensive, best of breed will have the right outcome. Or do they look at the one that's too cheapest and they're like, there's too much risk if we pick one of those top three that cost X because it is super important. And then you kind of have that one that always usually comes to the top that's right in the middle. It's not too hot, not too cold, and kind of fits the business's approach the right way. And it checks enough boxes that now you can use this kind of very basic version of an RFP mm. to set specific goals within the scope to prevent scope creep but then also set an outcome that hopefully can be measured within the implementation of the choice of that project, right? So when you get down to it, be like, okay, look, we're not trying to rechange everything in the world. We're not gonna solve a hundred problems, we're just gonna solve these select few problems. And then you guys at executives, you can hold me accountable and our department accountable because here's the dates for it, here's the cost for it, and here's the things we agreed on that in the outcome better be fixed or better be changed. So um, it's that, the three things, three little bears. Love it. The how do you manage your time? You mentioned not putting all your eggs in one basket. You mentioned the three little bears, challenges, <laughs> politics. Seventy five percent of your stack technology stack was changed in two years. You're married. You have kids. I'm assuming you surfed a couple days. <laughs> what? is your biggest life hack to time management? Uh, trust probably <laughs> it. Um, delegation. That, uh, <laughs> AKA yeah. delegation. Okay. Well, go right. ahead. Um, no, it, it can go far. Right. So, um, because to me, it's like a two way street. Like I like, um, there's a couple of people on my team that they, that we'll go offshore fishing together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll we'll grab the middle of the day when it's seven degrees outside, and we'll go um, play golf together. Um, you know, a few of them are very aware, you know, consciously from previous 
you know, gays and just the discussions of things that matter with us in life. You know, they, they, they know that I surf or kiteboard or go out and go with kids. And, you know, mm-hmm. I know they love playing Halo. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we're just honest with each other where we've got to get time back. So if they know that, you know, I've got things teed up on my plate that are more important real life wise at that time, you know, whether it's spending time with my kids because it's, you know, my daughter's on the swim team this year, or my, my son's like playing baseball, yeah. um, just changing my work schedule to still be there present with specific scheduled phone calls, emails and stuff tethered to, yep. you know, our company issued phones. Um, but then making up for that time, you know, with, you know, the hours throughout the week and then vice versa to them like you know if they're getting married or they're going on vacations like we we cover them as well so it's kind of that if if we're going to function correctly as a team the benefit is for the team's benefit and you kind of we all drink the kool-aid together right so mm-hmm. I, I make it a priority to travel and to surf or kiteboard or play golf or spend time with my kids mm-hmm. i make sure that they do the same things like i don't expect anybody to be a one-man show for it to bottleneck at them and to work 60 hours a week if that happens mm-hmm. um i try to go to bat with them with the executives to realize like you know they're going over above and beyond like this is mm-hmm. you know we should look at this as a performance situation to make sure they get specific bonuses so we recognize it but mm-hmm. then also this is not an expectation like let's move it forward and try to like rebalance the work mm-hmm. whether we have to hire positions or we change the requirements based on you know where we're at within the industry today to, to move through it um and then here culture wise i mean you know i i've i play golf with our cfo i play golf with the company owner and going out with the sales directors you know and other vendors so um you know we we all understand that you know, to our knowledge this is the only life that we get and we have um, and if it is important for us to create that impact on people in our lives and on the family and friends that we have to make time for it. Um, and then I just always want them to be honest, just like I'm honest with it when it gets to the point that we, we aren't in the work life balance is unbalanced. And what do we need to change? Is this a people process or tool problem? Right. So, mm-hmm. um, for us to get that light in the tunnel. Now we're lucky that this company being, you know, still kind of like in a sense, family owned in a smaller C-suite structure um, in very much that cheers and mentality where everybody knows each other's name. Yep. We can have more candid conversations mm-hmm. um, and we understand that people investment, it's a little less bureaucratic, yep. um, but it, it's still important. Um, you know, I don't think anybody really gets out of this life unscathed. Nobody's without, you know, direct or indirect like tragedies, especially during COVID. I think, I think out of this, we're going to have to like take a, a longer look at mental health, you know, practices and what that outcome is to make sure we open up doors for, you know, insider occupations to you know, help people transition back to the, the new normal. What made um, you think of that? What made you bring that up after all of this, the mental health thing? Uh, it just seems out, it just seems out of place, but not out of place. It doesn't seem out of place, but it's, it's out of place. Like we were talking about, you know, it's just interesting that you brought that up. So you brought that up for some reason where there ha- have you noticed mental health issues within the company or just in general, I just, or I think in the IT space um, and friends of mine across industries and then and especially in mine here, you know, it, it takes a lot to change the amount of systems we changed in two years. Yes. Um, then, okay. Now I get it. I get it enough. And, in other words, I've had yeah. IT guys that were called me like, 
literally crying, crying. Yeah. And I'm not saying that grown men don't cry because they do, but they were crying over it stuff because I'm living in my, my, my two bedroom apartment and all the computers are getting shipped here. And I've got boxes stacked up in my, my dining room. And like, I've become the it department. My house has become the it department and everyone's working from home and all this pressure and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not getting paid anymore. (laughs) So if that's, that's, if that's what you're talking about, then mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Enough said. I get it. That's crazy. Yes, please. Um, I mean, there, there's always pressures, right. In order to perform because we're, we're being paid to work. We're not being paid to play. I wish I got paid to surf or play golf all day, but I'm not pro (laughs) in those sports. So they're hobbies. (laughs) So those hobbies are more for me to attempt to stay more in physically fit shape or also to have mental health for peeve. And also for social. Yep. yep. In Hawaii, I would go kiteboarding with the guys at IBM. Right. So, um, you know, it's pretty popular out in California, Uh kiteboarding, especially in Silicon Valley area. And then surfing, um, you know, everybody in Hawaii is probably surfing. There's somebody to surf, so you can, anybody, everybody out there. Um, you know, I, I go scuba diving with people here from work too. And then obviously golf, you know, golf is such a great networking mm-hmm. business tool because you can make a lot of deals in the course. It's a, it's a long time period and a lot of conversations can be had. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, but it also does allow you to get, you know, some vitamin D being outside and to, you know, stretch your muscles, which is a huge benefit, but. Well um, said. Well said. The most, one of the most well said IT sales, non in sales, not in sales comments. The last question. Sure. And I, and I ask this a lot, but I want to know, I really want to know from you if you thought about this or if it's the typical answer. I mean, typical, like, ride my 401k, make some investments and cash out eventually someday. And with the way that technology is changing so much and the world is insane right now, what is the end game for you? That's a, a great question. Um, <laughs> it's definitely, it doesn't exist. I, I have yet to find someone in it. That's like, I'm, you know, I'm, I got a bunch of Bitcoin on the side and I'm making some real estate investments and I'm going to stop and I've got this own MSP like dream, like, you know, app that we're going to launch. And, uh, and then I'm going to be like, see you later, guys. <laughs> you know, like um, this is going to be I hope this doesn't negate everything that I said previously. on. Oh, here. I hope it does. I really hope it does. And everybody's like, I listen to this for no reason. That guy. <laughs> what a load of crap. Yes. The three exactly. bears, the three bears. Yeah. Right. Basically get <laughs> find 10 vendors and cut down to three. Okay. Go. Um, <laughs> so, uh, a wise man once told me that, when you die, your tombstone will not say director of IT, launcher of MSP, blah, blah, blah. Very few people. <laughs> that would be funny. Notorious. That would be yeah. funny. IT director. Yes. Right. Um, it's, I mean, if you think about in, in our industry. Digital transformation <laughs> madman. Right. Okay. I like it. The only people that are, are going to have that type of notoriety or, or infamy or just the benefits of fame, like post death, are going to be like in the Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Bezos, ah, right? Eh, whatever. I forgot. The about rest him. of us. He made one button us, a one button phone. 
And he, the rest of us. It's ironic because he was making fun of, you know, Pepsi and Coca-Cola. You make sugar water. Like, okay. Yes, yes. But go. I, I enjoy those doc, those documentaries. I, I can't remember who the actor was in one, but he described when he had his conversation with Wozniak, you know, in, in the movie. I don't know how accurate it is in the book. I, I haven't read it. Um, but he was like, you know, I built the Apple II. What did you do? And he was like, I played the orchestra, right? He's like, because like you guys were the strings, you know, there was the other uh-huh. departments that were, were the uh-huh. percussion. They had the brass and you had the woodwinds. Uh-huh. But then he, as uh, Steve Jobs, played the orchestra, right? Mm. You know, the connecting of it. Nice. Um, which to me is always kind of like resonating because the same thing you can you said for the other greats across industries, you know, with you know Tom Brady in the QB role at that captain capacity, right? You know, mm. you know Michael Jordan and his change, he did it at the Bulls, you know, just it's, Incredibly- but what we value, what we value as crazy important or famous or whatever it is, might be actually worthless in the long. That's know, right. What of time and and the and the true heroes might be completely nameless people that we don't even ever meet or know. Yet it could be some dude in a village somewhere that you know. I don't know. We all have some aqueducts, you know. Yeah. Right. Because like, you and I could probably both have another hour conversation about people we've met in our life that have created an impact, but mm. you might not remember their names or you remember the feelings. Uh-huh. And then they, they move on with their life and you move on with it, but you just know that it was like a core memory and core moment that had an impact. So with that is like, you know, from, from my side, you know, my, um, you know, after losses in family and then changing of jobs and then, you know, getting married and having kids, uh-huh. the, the importance factor kind of pivoted to uh-huh. more of like, if we're honest with ourselves, like when we do pass, it's going to be that like, you know, beloved father, you know, brother, son, husband, uh-huh. those uh-huh. kind of key factors. Yeah, yeah. So will anyone care? Um, like, will anyone care? Yeah. Um, and so for for that side, from an IT standpoint, career-wise, where I see like a trajectory is more of like the journey. I haven't really set up goals for jobs or directions or pays or roles as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been very fortunate. Um, that I found certain successes in projects. And then I've also, you know, found relationships within networking through companies. And then I found something that I'm okay at. I wouldn't really say I'm good at, but, you know, can able obviously make a living and support my family and then hopefully provide a good impact to them. Mm-hmm. So I just want to, you know, keep doing this as long as somebody will, will have me. And then yeah, I don't think that shot down. I don't think that did anything of unwinding everything that you said at the beginning, at the beginning of the show at all whatsoever. It's just that that's kind of why I always ask about time management. That's why I always, that's why I started with work life balance and surfing because personally me, my goal has always been to um, work to live, not live to work. Right. And I'd like to work a lot less if I don't have to and spend time yeah. on things that are valuable to me. And that, and ironically, I surfed all last year. So what happened last year was my, my mom had like terminal dementia. Like it was the last year of her life. So I sold my house and moved a mile down the street so that I could take care of her. And it just so happened that the house I bought a mile down the street was four minutes from the ocean. So it was at least surf every day. And as I'm watching, like you said, you watch the, 
wind direction, swell coming in? Is there a nor'easter? Is there a tail end of the hurricane season? Whatever it is, and just like you know, I'm I'm leaving. I don't know what's going on right now, but I'm canceling all meetings and I'm just going to go out and do that. And I surfed for the every time there was waves, I surfed and I had there was like you know. A, there's people that have video cameras streaming on the beach and you can just kind of see like, Oh, okay. Yeah, no, the, those, the waves are real. It's not, you know, that looks good. Leave now, like quick, like text my son, like, hurry up, put your wits on. Like, you know, he was homeschooling at the time, text my wife, did he get his work done? Like, hurry up, jump in the car, you know, that type of thing. Hurry up, strap the boards on, make sure there's two straps. Um, and then ironically at the end of the year, I kind of burnt myself out with the, the surfing thing. I was like, it was great. It was fun, but it's still just surfing at the end of the day. You'll probably yeah, hate hard. me for that. I mean, no, no. I, I mean, I, I burnt myself out too, just because I set expectations too high. Like I expected, I expected to get a lot better surfing <laughs> when I was in Hawaii. Uh-huh. Um, Cause I was like, there's, I'm removing all the obstacles that prevent me from excelling at this now. Right. Cause like uh-huh. I have access to more waves. Yeah. yeah. Um, the water's warmer, you know, just, Anything that I can say that is holding me back, whether it's a thick wetsuit or just conditions uh-huh. aren't a problem. But then to your point, the work-life balance side of it, like I don't have the availability that the people that are pro to surf all year round, you know, I have to make it work within, yeah. you know, you know, other obligations, whether it's, you know, work and family. Yeah. And then, it's like my journey to black belt and jujitsu, like the real hardcore black belts are training, drilling all day long. I just don't have yeah. that. Just can't do that. No. And then if you, if you like on my side, I realized that I wasn't enjoying it and it, or I, I was having negative feelings because I was causing myself to be negative just mm-hmm. due to like miss expectations yep. or, you know, feeling or feeling guilty. Like if I was paddling out and my wife is like sitting on the beach with like our six month old. Yeah. Watching like, or you're wasting time. I should be doing this right now instead. And you're like, yeah. 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 Um, but then, I mean, you know, she had to talk to sense into me. She was like, no, she's like, I want you happy and healthy. And she's like, and I don't mind being on a beach in Hawaii with her six month old, like, you know, like twist my wrist. This is a horrible life. Um, and then, and then there's I, a question in your head. There's a, there's a, there's a voice in your head. There is. Um, and then it just, you know, as long as it's not interfering with my ability to, you know, do the job that's required. And for me to be an active, uh-huh. engaging, you know, parent yeah. and a participator, like in our marriage yeah. and, and, and relationship, that it's not like taking away from that time of it where it becomes like negative. Mm. You know, you just kind of get comfortable with it, even in the short term as a win. You know, like we, we just got back from wintergreen taking like our six-year-old and four-year-old skiing and snowboarding. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I only got like half of one day to myself to actually, you know, go yeah. down some down some of the blocks with my buddy. Uh-huh. And, you know, it, it was to me, like that was even the treat because watching the little ones actually start excelling and getting better at making on the mountain and going off the lift, yeah. like that's the next generational impact. And it's for inside of your family. That's going to make all mm. future trips that much easier that they're like, if I can get them to drink this Kool-Aid right now and get into some of mm. these sports, if I want to do this into my forties into the fifties, it's going to be much easier for them to be a mm. participator coming along with it. Mm. Um, than the vice versa. Um, and the same thing with, with surfing and, um, kiteboarding and all that, like my daughter at six, like she was, you know, borderline breaking like butterfly records, like in her age group here. Hmm. Um, and people were like, you know, and she's never been in swim lessons. And I was like, well, hmm. it helps like 
her growing up in Hawaii before we moved back um, because I was, you know, the semi reckless parent probably on some, you know, foreign, you know, Japanese Instagram pages because when she was like one or two, you know, I was taking her out in the summertime, like past like Sharks Cove and some of like the deeper water Uh where I was going free diving and she would just float there with me. Um, but then I got her wearing on her mask and then she would try to come down, you know, and actually swim and snorkel at like you know, three, four years old. So just getting her exposed to the water went like a far way. So, you yeah. know, for me, it was very easy to feel the life changing and the lack of my own skill set and age and energy and time to be in the surfing and kiteboarding and stuff. But now with the kids, getting them exposed to it is like a reinvigorating amount of energy. Yep. And also making sure that my work job wise doesn't interfere with those things that are important. Um, you know, is also like important. You have to sacrifice other things. Like I've never watched like Ozark and I don't, we don't have a cable right while well, we have our like some streaming services. So unfortunately there's less time in those side of leisure activities, but you know, you don't I don't really have a, uh, I don't own a TV. I threw it away yeah. like eight years ago. And you have, and you have eight kids, right? Which is yeah, crazy. It I mean, was, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it, they read, they read. I mean, we have devices, obviously, but you know, and you have to kind of watch that. You have to watch the device time or whatever. Right. But they're all, um, yeah, I just have a button on my cell phone so I can just shut it off, you know, and really, dad, can you turn my device, you know, can you turn whatever back on? But the, yeah, I got rid of the TV. I never thought I'd be, actually kill the TV. I always thought about it, you know, but then I did and it, it took a while for them. So it was like a month of mutiny, but then they started reading and it's louder and it's tempting sometimes <laughs> to just want to have a device to turn on so that the house goes quiet, you know, cause it's easy yeah. to do, but it's not the right thing in my personal opinion. The, nope. Maybe we could, maybe we should probably team up and just start like a life coaching, you know, there's every other life coach out there. Like, I always wonder that life coaching stuff, like you're going to coach me on life. Like, I don't know what, you know, there could be like yeah. an IT life coaching, work-life balance, you know, the, look, the moral well, of the story is the, the moral of the story is take up scuba diving, surfing, um, maybe golf, uh, it sounds cliche and, uh, kiteboarding. I haven't done that yet. My, my brother-in-law is like, he used to be a professional windsurfer. And now he, once the kites came out, he just threw the windsurfers away pretty much. And only does his kite now. Mm-hmm. It's fun. The barrier of entry of kiteboarding is easier than surfing. Um, it's only about like a thousand bucks to like get gear, but you only need probably like eight hours of flying the kite before you're able to, oh, really? to do like 90% of whatever you want to do. Yeah. Cause you wow. think about it, like the, the variables change with surfing to your point before, when you made the statement, like you have to watch the tides, the wind, which is the swell direction. Is it nor'easter versus paddling, right? Paddling at the right yep. time. It's, it's a lot of variables. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of factors where with kiteboarding, as long as you have like wind within the range of like the flying the kite, mm-hmm. um, the rest is now up to you. You get to pick which type of board you want to ride, whether it's a foil, twin tip, or a surfboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also pick like how far you want to go. Like, do you actually just do you want to get into jumping? Mm-hmm. Or are you fine with what they call like mowing the lawn, just going back and forth? Mm-hmm. Um, or do you want to do downwinders to where you're like exploring whole sections of beach with like a buddy? So you're like parking yeah. cars at different locations yeah. and going the 10, 15 miles and just kind of like cruising yeah. um, on it. So, you know, it's, it's like personal sail sailboats, right? I think you and sold just, me. 
I think you sold me. Yeah. Just get into kite kite sales, and we'll get you know <laughs> done. Well, there, That's the end goal. Turn right? up a website, you know, kiting for IT directors, like you know, exit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the IT exit exit here. IT directors exit here for you know, whatever passion. Uh, we've done this an hour and 20 minutes. I want to thank you very much. I think this was absolutely outstanding. I thoroughly enjoyed it myself and I would imagine everyone else would find this very fulfilling or really hate us for having a, such an awesome side life, I guess. (laughs) I, I hope they don't hate it and I hope they, uh, kind of appreciate the, the candidness of like the new world of the new life balance and the new work environment, COVID post COVID, um, into whatever hobbies that they enjoy and to be creative with. So it doesn't have to be in surfing and kiteboarding, but if anyone I wanted to, uh, yeah, if anyone wanted to reach out to, um, John and Gillespie, um, how, what's the best way for them to reach out to you, whether that be for, I don't know, advice or anything. Uh, probably my LinkedIn page, um, would be a good first start. All right. I don't know if you guys give out like company information, if you want, like phone numbers. Yeah, or no, no, whatever. Contacts. I mean, uh, just John Gillespie, G I L L E S P I E. And, uh, his, uh, what we'll do is we'll put your LinkedIn, um, uh, a link on the episode webpage as well, if you're okay with that. Yeah. All right. And thank you very much for being on dissecting popular IT nerds. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of dissecting popular IT nerds. If you like this or any other episode, Make sure you rate it and share it with one of your friends. And remember, when it comes to IT, you always need to be dissecting, analyzing, and improving.